Well, welcome to church. It's good to see you. If you were invited by a friend and you're a guest today, welcome to First Christian. We're so glad uh, that this was a, a part of your journey today. It's great. We are uh, celebrating a new, um, a new series uh, called Family Strong. Now, I don't know what makes your family strong, but um, my, my family has uh, been strengthened through the building of resilience, the building through crisis, the building through always having a kind of a happy angle uh, to, to whatever it is. Sometimes we just can't help but laugh in spite of what's going on. I don't know if that's the experience of your family, but it's probably pretty close. When we look at the strength of families, I love that song that we just came out of. And some of you still may be in that place with worship with you and your God is that, you know, faith rise up in me. You see, when we look at our families and we look at living in this life, it's, that's, it's a constant prayer. It doesn't mean that we don't have a measure of faith. God gives us a measure of faith. But there are times and there are seasons, uh, okay, most every day with families, that we need to really focus and get that strength. Get that anointing. Get that understanding that we need. Each of us even come to worship in any given week having had, you know, one heck of a week to go, okay, how do I worship when I'm still so pressed? Let me just say that God loves our worship when we focus on Him. And if He, you know, if, if He knows everything, then He knows what that is that we have in between us when we worship. And so I would suggest to each of us that if we have one of those weeks where we can freely come and praise Him, or we have a bunch of stuff that we just have to truly or metaphorically lay at his feet to cast our anxieties, cast our fears, cast our family before Christ, that truly honors him. He's waiting for that. He's waiting for uh, just unabashed praise of knowing who he is and who our focus is, knowing that he is not a stranger to whatever we're dealing with in this life. The stressors of school, the stressors of new marriage, the stressors of raising children, aging parents, whatever the family situation, whether we are uh, single or whether we have a family of nine, whatever. Maybe we're a blended family and have a family of 12. Whatever the case, God desires for us to know that he wants and loves that we build resilience through what we experience. There's a great passage of scripture out of Psalm 68. It says, God sets the deserted in families. He brings out prisoners into prosperity, but the rebellion dwell in a dry land. What a, what an, a great way of, of saying to God that we know what our families are like. First service has great-grandchildren. You might have great-grandchildren here too. But you're dealing with differing levels of family, but all reside within what the psalmist was saying. Listen, our families, our members, our children, our brothers, our sisters, when we talk about family talk, we talk about trying to figure out what is to happen in families. The three areas, right? If there's aloneness, he has placed us in families. You see, when we look at the theology of family, God created family. 
So in creating family, we see that he created them and he walked with them. Now we know that there was major dysfunction that came there. And that's what we have now been experiencing is that first dysfunction to know that we will have a tendency to think of ourselves. And in thinking of ourselves, lie, cheat, steal, hide ourselves from God, even try to clothe ourselves in other things. But God still presses the relationship. He still presses upon us that no matter what we failed, no matter what we've done, He then clothes us with righteousness. But He created the family. Then we see that after that brokenness, then He made covenants. He made covenants with families. He made covenants with His family to say, listen, I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. There are, there are promises. There are statutes. There are things that families do. Do you have family rules? Do you have unspoken rules and rules, right? You have the rules and the roles. A lot of times, if you don't get the unspoken rule you're spoken to, didn't you get that? You're supposed to be doing that. Let's do that, right? Well, God laid it out in the Old Testament, these covenants that give us his guarantee. And he waits on us to just continue to take advantage of all of the covenants. And then we see an obscurity in the Gospels. We we see this, this, this new rabbi coming on the scene. His name is Jesus. Oh, now he wasn't in the official brotherhood of the rabbis, but he was a, a teacher. And he came with this message that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And what Jesus was announcing was not anything new, but the fulfillment of what God's intended purpose for the family would be. That no matter what race we are, no matter the gender, no matter if we're alone, no matter who we are, no one is left out as God's family. And the good news of the gospel is, is that that obscure rabbi who said, now the kingdom of God is at hand, it is here, is he then dies and raises from the dead. The gospel, the good news is that all the brokenness that we can muster in our family, and some of our families even continue to do a pretty bang-up job of showing what it is to not be perfect. He says, in your imperfection, the perfect one will become like you, and he will give up his life, and that through that, you can be redeemed. All of your brokenness, even the brokenness that you think right now, can, really doesn't have any solutions. God says, listen, through my son, there is a solution and that his redemptive work on the cross is sure and if you feel like you have been a rebel and you are in a dry land you can come and receive redemption you can receive reconciliation you can experience the father looking as he spoke the parable jesus spoke the parable of the prodigal who goes and just lives his life on his own and then he comes to a place where he says I need to return to the Father. And I love the Gospels that say that the Father was already looking a long way off. And when that one who was in a dry land, a dry place, that rebel turned and began coming, the Father was waiting with arms stretched to receive him and to actually throw a party for him. You see, when we look at our families, it is that understanding that the kingdom of God is at hand, that now, no matter where you are from, no matter who you have, no matter 
we are all, and the Apostle Paul uses this language, we're all adopted as sons and daughters of our God. And so now we go from creation to covenants to something that the Godhead created called the church. And there are all kinds of churches on the block, but each of us are a part of God's redemptive, reconciliatory way to beat this life that seems to beat us up at times. And he says, be a part of this family. And when you come to Christ, you are a part of God's ideal family. Jesus even said something pretty obscure about this family. When questioned, he gave a theological answer. If you hear it and you first read it, it's really peculiar. But he was asked about coming outside because his family was outdoors, his biological family. And Jesus gives us this larger theological picture to say, listen, he never denied that that was his family. But what he did is he said, now listen, in the kingdom of God, you are my brother, you are my sister. And so with that, he says, everyone now can be a part of God's family. The original idea from way back in one of the covenants when the Abrahamic covenant was made to say that now all flesh could receive his spirit through the Son. That all of Abraham's descendants would be blessed. They would be blessed through the one, Jesus. And so when we look at the theology of family, we look at our understanding of family, that's why we're hard-pressed. That's why we're hard-pressed to say, listen, if you're new to this church, you're going to hear it from another preacher, but this is why all ministers of the gospel, everyone in church says this. Because if we are not involved in God's family, if we're not a part of that, then we can be alone. It doesn't mean we're rebelling, but we might be those alone ones, and we wonder why we, our family can't get here or get there. Oh, we say that we're trying to do it on our own, and that was the sin of my father. My dad said, oh, I don't have to go to church, and I'm like, well, I understand that, and I understand I'm in the business now, dad. Can you imagine that tension for my dad, right? Um, but that's where we have to buy in. And that's why we will be hard-pressed to say, listen, get your families to church. Get your families studying. Get into small group. Stretch and expand that. Why? So your faith can rise up when it's needed. That's why we need family. That's why we need the family of God so that even our family can know that it's not alone. Oh, we'll get into this series of how we think that we're the only family that has this issue or that issue. But the bottom line is that God says, listen, I'm on your team. You can do this. You have been, you've built resilience. Yes, you failed, but this is where you can get back up. And the great mercy and love and grace of our Father says, listen, you can make it. You can do this. Even in those times when it, it's, you, you can't even imagine it, what most of us have said through the tragedies or the trials is that we look back and we say, well, he really was with us the whole time. You see, God desires for us to strengthen our families. Now, there are forces against us, for sure. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but there are forces. There are economic forces, spiritual, moral, cultural, social. There are all those forces that are out there. As a matter of fact, even some of those forces, we would say, are, are really undermining the ideal or the idea that God has, has set up. 
but for the sake of knowing and strengthening our families, is that there is a battle to be won. There is a battle to be won. Nehemiah and the, the verses, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, it's 4.14, not 14.4. 4.14, um, 4, he, he is helping the, the children of Israel. God's family was being persecuted by outside forces. And he brings these poignant words. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of these outside forces. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. And fight for our families. Fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. You see, when we know and understand the Lord and He and His awesomeness, He is not going to leave us. And there are times, and it's tough to get ready for battle, it's tough to stay in the fight, but you stay in the fight because it is right. There are things in, you know, I'm you know, Pamela and I do a, a pretty decent job of good cop, bad cop, and, and, and so forth, and we, we play that, right, as far as who does what. But the, 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 real, the real thing is, is that our kids will know that there is a certain heightened level where we are in the fight, and we're not going to compromise. We are not going to compromise on this one. We're going to stand true, because this is what we've got to do. And so what Nehemiah says is, you fight for your family. You fight for it. You fight for those values. You fight for those things. You stand up to those things. Even those of you that have adult children, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you just go, well, I don't know what to do. You've already had those conversations. It's different, isn't it? It's not a grounding, right? It's, it's more of a grounding. You try to go, you have that dinner, you have that lunch, you have that cup of coffee or, or tea, and you're desperately trying to ground your adult children in that which is the way of the Lord. And it's through your voice and you walk away sometimes not knowing, but it's what God desires for us to do. He desires for us to know that this thing called family, oh, we're going to have our fightings, but this is something that he desires for us to know, that there is victory. There is victory when we continue to stand strong. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. You see, fear will paralyze us. Nehemiah knew that they would be paralyzed. We can say that we know that there are times where we have been paralyzed, yet we have to begin to remember, almost immediately remember, who our God is. Remember the Lord. And remember that He is awesome. Now, I'll, I'll selfishly say that, you know, if you wanted to get into a little battle, my family's pretty cool. Matter of fact, I might say my family's better than your family, right? Nanny, nanny, boo-boo kind of thing, right? You see, why we're awesome is because of the building of resiliency. Perfection, tears, laughter, all of these things that, that some days we just, you know, we just, just, I just want to go to sleep, right? You just want to go to sleep. It's because at the end of the day, if you stay in that fight, you stay in that battle, keeping the Lord number one, it's amazing. It's amazing how victory can come. So families are worth fighting for and families are worth strengthening. There was a study, uh, a, pretty recent, a pretty recent data out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. And they, they, this was just a generic data sampling from 50 states and 27 countries. And they were asked, what makes your family strong? Now this is pretty concurrent data with, with, uh, for, for at least the last 25 years of the data that I've looked at. 
and you'll see some pretty cool themes. You've got appreciation and affection, commitment, positive communication, enjoyable time together, spiritual well-being, and successful management of stress and crisis. How does that resonate with you? <laughs> What's that saying? Would you have answered very similar? What we see is the studies have this level of, of the undergirding of the building of resiliency. And so when we look at strengthening our families, it's always positive to look in those areas, right? Appreciation and affection, right? If we know we are a mess, it's amazing what a commitment to one another can make. When we are rocking and we're hitting the, the goals and we're hitting those markers, it's amazing when we say and celebrate a commitment to one another. Positive communication. Oh my goodness, we can always have negative communication and our family is constantly working on trying to be positive. Even the one that stands before you, oh my goodness, the times that you go, oh, why did I say that? Or why did I approach that? Or why did I let something get in the way of positive communication? Enjoyable time together. Man, next week, um, even if you just watch these 17 families next week go through these extreme games, it's going to be a blast. But that's why the church family says, listen, let's get together. Let's have a festival. Let's, let's get to know other people. Let's get some food, bring some food. Uh, if you're brand new, come next week. You can see on the little insert that you know, A through L or K and L through Z, you know, bring something, just bring your favorite dish, bring something to the table. And watch the family just get together. You see, we, when we are enjoying ourselves, which we'll see next week, it is a wonderful thing. God created us, ready for this? God created us to play. But sometimes life gets in the way and we forget to play. Or we don't have time for it, right? And so we're going to see next week the beauty of how God created play. And then, of course, spiritual well-being. It's a great, it's secular data, but it's neat how families reported that, that, that spiritual centering was important. And then, of course, successful management of stress and crisis. Man, if we can just get through this, I think what the, what the Lord says is, you'll get through it. You will get through it. As a church, we, uh, we constantly are desiring to, to see what families need and want and, and to try to d develop ministries that, that, that resonate, that help you grow, to help you do things. And the family ministry, we, if you take the acronym family, you can see that, that you, everything starts with being faith-centered. Faith-centered, we start with God, we'll end with God. And then you see this advocacy-driven. You see each of us, no matter if we're a young person or we're newly married or we've been in it a while or we're hitting transitions and marks of our children or, or aging parents, there's things that we need to know. It's the, the phrase that I've used before that says, listen, if there's a, many of us are just a question, an answered question away from breakthrough. You see, that's what family ministry we desire to do is to advocate for one another. And there may be something that you know that helps another person get their answer. Could you imagine the question that you might have today? As a matter of fact, if you want to, I'd love for you, if there was a question, you can have anonymity, just take out one of the cards, the, the welcome cards, put it on that prayer area, that white area. 
what question would, you, would really help your family grow? What would really give you breakthrough as an individual? You see, that's where family ministry, that's where the church as the family of God come together with our experiences and our passions and we try to get answers to questions. Then that mobilizes ministry. With that ministry, yes, you have children and youth and the, the, the standard operational procedural things in a church, but we see the open-ended, the never-ending opportunity for us to minister to one another. And through that, you get intentional discipleship because you're talking to one another. And listen, if you can just get some of this stuff, you know, it's amazing how if I could just get help getting the bills paid that, that I can focus a little better. You see, that's, that's discipleship, getting us closer and closer to Jesus in a very, very specific, targeted way. And then we see leadership development. It's leading our kids. How do we take our kids from, how do we get our family from just survival to true leadership and training and, and, and true growth and seeing it and rejoicing what God is doing through our families? And then we come back and we close it up with yielded to God, thanking God for what he has done. And did we do this right? In a positive direction to say, we've given you all, what is it more? What more can we do to yield? Not in this defeated way to say well I guess this is what we were supposed to do but a way of yielding and and really evaluating did we yield this decision did we yield this purpose to you for your glory you see what we can learn from from families is all the wrong way and and all the right way each of us with our family of origins, we, we do conflict, we do communication, we do those things. We have a tendency to kind of carry the family patterns. And so what we want to do in this series and what we want to do to stimulate us is to, to look at at least five things that we really want to, to just land on. And if our families can grasp these things, we're going to go to higher heights in our, in our strengthening. What do... What, what to do with feelings? Now, I got to be honest, I, I probably, I think they, they'll, at my funeral, they'll probably cry and say, that was funny and dad was a great guy. But right now, they don't always appreciate that I have a song for most everything they say. You know? And so, when, you know, when, it, when they're serious, I'm not discounting their feelings. But, you know, when we're just having a little, you know, pouty time or something, you know, I might break out with feelings. Nothing more than feelings, right? And they're like, and then I go, trying to forget my, right? And so feelings, what do we do? Families, my goodness, think about what you do with feelings. And, and how, do we, how do we get positive in this? How do we deal with those things? Some of us didn't, some of us didn't come from that great of a background. And, and we're a mess when it comes to feelings. And we internalize too much. And we do this and we do that. And you know, someone has said, it, you know, it's, you're, you're either a, a, a maniac, a, you know, a martyr, or, you know, you're, you're just a mouse. You don't say anything. I'm always scared of the mouses that hold things in. Are you a mouse that holds it in and all of a sudden, whoo, right? Or passive, aggressive, right? Psst, let it out slowly. See, how do we deal with feelings? How to handle conflict? How to handle losses. What we learned very early on is that loss comes. We, 
even as littles, they grieve. They, they're grieving something. They don't necessarily know how to grasp. And, and so we want to say that, listen, as you develop a, 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 a pattern of dealing with loss, I mean, when we touch base on this, you know, many of us have had the, the actual funeral service in the backyard for fish, lizards, rabbits, right? You see, loss is something that, that we'll build resiliency if our family knows how to deal with those things. What values matter most? Oh my goodness, the, the most competitive thing that's going on in our world right now, and it's always been this way, is those compete, are those competing voices. What are the values of today, you know, tomorrow? I, I, I get a little cranky in my house because, you know, or in the car, because I'll just, I'll just tell you, I don't think that a lot of the music, right? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I sound like an old guy now, right? When we were kids, it, it was like, you know, that generation, well, that's rock and roll music, you know, I'm, okay, I get that. And now I really get it when you're raising your own and you see a youth group and what they might be listening to, the values, the things that come in, and just turn it off. Oh, I say it nice sometimes, but there's some time just like, and a lot of times now it's quickly changing the channel when dad gets in the car, which is, I get that. I get that. I think the biggest thing that I have about your music and our music, right? Or your music that I can listen to. And this may be a word that you really don't understand, but the adults are going to, and I'll try to explain it. Is that there are just blatant things that are being expressed to you all. In our day, it was innuendo. It was kind of a hint, or you kind of knew where it was going. For you all, what you watch on the internet, what you listen in your ears, let me just say, let me sound like an old-fashioned preacher for a moment. It is, it is vitally, vitally important to what you let your ears, what you let your eyes see. Because when we were growing up, it was innuendo, it was like a hint. You kind of knew, it's like, oh. And if you were savvy or you've been exposed a little bit too much, you're like, oh, yeah. But see, what you guys watch now and what you guys can hear, there's really no thought process to it. And so I'd easily say to you, if you were my kid or my nephew or my niece, I'd say, turn that stuff off. Turn it off. Know who you are. Allow yourself to say, you know, I get that. And your generation, like my generation, and I, st I still like all, the, I like all the music. I like all the music. I love rhythm, I love dancing, I love all of that stuff. But for each of us, now see, the adults thought I was talking to you, but see, I'm talking to them too. Because we adults, we're only two or three clicks away from stuff we shouldn't be watching and seeing. And so what values matter most? And you're gonna, you're gonna I hope you, you engage in this because what we're going to do is set up an opportunity for you and your family in your own private time to talk about your values. What do you guys value? Where, where's the victory coming from? Where is God taking you to higher heights in, in knowing that you are rocking with him and you're living the blessed, prosperous life? What values matter? And the last good.
habits. Oh, all the good habits. You see, one good habit that I would love for you to, to begin is we're already busy, I know that. We're already busy, and we'll talk about that. But one of the good habits is I would love for you to really see what God has done with you in your life. And I'd love for you to, to be a whiz kids tutor. I'd love for you to be able to, to advocate for someone and help them grow in reading. What our plan is and what you've seen is the rhythm of neighborhood connections is constantly giving you something that you can do that's other than ourselves so that we might bring the love and the mercy and the grace of God as the family of God as an example to the world to say this is why people love him because he uses us. You see, I wonder how many folk that know how to read in this room might be able to make an eternal impact and a reading impact on a young person for two hours on a Monday. You see, that's, I just think about that, like, right? With all the smart people, I truly believe that this city should not have a child that does not read well, but that's a whole different thought. But in the life of this church, what can we do? Family promise being here. You see, the family of God inviting three special families so that they may have a place their own space, to not have to worry, but come and be safe and grow in their relationships and grow in their skill sets and grow as a family to get a new start because they've been experiencing homelessness. You see, that's the power of God. That's the power of family. That's what we can celebrate. And I hope that you can become a part of that. Two last things and we're done. If you've been a part of this congregation for a, a period of time and you've never identified with us in levels of membership or saying, hey, this is, this is really my church. We promise not to inundate you with information, but if this is your church, you might want to take one of the cards and just say, put your name on there and say, I identify this as my church. And then let us begin to do pastoral care. Let us do discipleship with you. And then lastly, if you've yet to experience the one who created you and desires to redeem you through a personal relationship with Christ, let me continue to just keep sowing that seed that says he loves you with an everlasting love and you may feel as though your life is an absolute mess. You're never too messy for God. You may be like the psalmist said, you may be a rebel right now. You may be sitting here going, yeah, yeah, or you may have already zoned me out. I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit of God that is drawing you closer to the Father might just agitate you just enough with this preacher talking to just say, listen, rebel, he loves you. And I'm just going to say to you as a human, I've run from things, and you're probably running from some things. And you know what? There's a good chance that the things that you're running from have something to do with this word called family. And I would say to you that he created his family, the church, to help walk alongside with you, pray with you, support you, help you with advocacy so that you might become the person that he desires you to be. But it starts with a relationship with him. And we'd love to talk with you about that, pray with you. The waters of baptism are always ready. We'd love for you to receive Christ today. Whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do, that's what I pray.
that he would work in our hearts and our minds. God, thank you so much for family. Thank you for building us within us the faith and, and allowing our faith to increase. Father, being in a family is hard work, and we just pray that you would continue to increase our faith and give us the understandings and give us those things. And may we lean into your promises and to your principles as we choose to strengthen our families. God, we thank you for Christ. We celebrate him today and each and every day. We thank you for what he's done for us to create this beautiful family. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.